episode 74 of tactical crouch this is your overwatch league season three preview episode i'm kick tripod joined of course by yiska and volamel before we get into it just a quick reminder quick reminder show is largely supported by our patrons and twitch subscribers if you like the show want to support want some cool perks uh go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch and sign up for as little a dollar a month as little as a dollar a month or subscribe right here on twitch Get some cool emotes. We got some game nights going on. Um, all that good stuff. We're not gonna we're not gonna waste time on this, Yiska. We're just gonna jump right in. This episode. This writing. Epi- I'm not I'm not doing anything. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by our patron producers, Battlecrab, Made, Pin, Lotion, Charlie L, and Audio Compass. Thank you for your support. Let's get started. And before we do. Uh, it is important to mention that uh, we do have a high noon uh, fantasy league, a pick'em league. Did just go live, so uh, we're going to be giving away prizes to the top five finishers for the season. So you can get that Yiscat uh, mouse or mouse pad, not mouse. Mouse would be sick. A Yiscat mouse. Uh, <laughs> And That's terrifying. Yeah, so you can go sign up for that at bit.ly slash TCP Pick'em or just go to highnoon.gg, go to the Featured League tab and you'll see uh, Tactical Crouch there in the Featured Leagues list and then join the league. I think I'm going to wreck you both. Probably. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have like the struggle with a lot of those is just maintenance. I'm, I have to do this anyways. Like I'm already committed to doing predictions. It's just like finding the website and just like clicking it and just like remembering to do it every week. So I'm not going to lie. It's bad. It's, it's, it's bad. Do, do you remember season one when we were like when Roy was still doing that stuff with yeah. Winston's lab and we were just like, uh, uh, we missed the cutoff. Can you add that? Yeah. 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 To that? <laughs> yeah, fucking unreal. By by yeah. like week five, by like the middle of stage two, it was just like, oh, I didn't do my predictions. Oh and yep. then if you didn't do your predictions, you just hoped that those matches that day were just like kind of close and maybe there was an upset that nobody expected. Like it was oof. Yep. That was rough. Yeah. So um come join that. That's gonna be fun. We're actually the second largest league oh, on really? there right now, besides the official high noon GG league. Um, nice. And there's like seven or eight uh, Overwatch League teams that have leagues. So very cool. Go us, right? Yes, very much. Go so. us. Um, yeah, check that out. That's gonna be great. Uh, power rankings. This is not a power ranking episode uh, because Hero Pools kind of threw it to the wind a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. And yeah. even then, I feel like our, our top fives have been really similar to other people's top fives. The justifications for those top fives are probably very similar as well. Uh, so we were actually, the original plan was like, well, let's just finish it anyways and just pretend that Hero Pools doesn't exist for the moment or try to factor that in, but only within the teams that we haven't 
talked about yet and mm-hmm. just kind of felt wrong. So, um, Yiska, I know you finished, you have your, uh, top 20 on GG Intel. Yeah, I did those in I think between, uh, Christmas and new year. Yeah. But yeah, as, as I like, okay, let's, let's, let me be honest from the information I know now. And how different would they be though? Even without the hero pool, I think I would move a bunch around in the middle really? and also in the top. Um, hmm. The scrim knowledge also may, would make me move that stuff a bunch around, but the hero pool devalues everything I did. Honestly, like I think it's basically like we, when you do your power rankings list, you have different parameters and you want to be try to be as consistent as possible. So I had like uh, strength of players on paper, coaching staff, like travel schedule, all these things. Now, uh, and, and like in a hierarchy of uh, importance, and now Hero Pro comes in, and it asks flexibility of coaching staff and players, and it's I'm like, okay, this is the second most important thing this season. Everything else below it is now devalued because of that. Mm-hmm. Like I would say, like the pr- premier thing that I would have said that still remains the most important is like uh, player in- innate player strength, if you want. Sure. So like skill level of all players on the team. Sure. And um, then there's now flexibility, and this it, it includes the coaching staff. So in that regards, like. Of course, every other parameter moves down because of that in weight, and um, yeah, I think I would change a bunch around knowing what mm. I know now. I feel like a lot of yours were really early, where some of the some of like the the pretty big signings just hadn't even been announced yet, or haven't even been you know hadn't happened yet. Um, I feel like that would probably sway yours a whole lot more. I think if you like genuinely looked at those teams and and viewed them through all those different lenses i think i think yeah the middle of the pack you might move up or down teams like one or two spaces but i don't think like a team just gets like shoots up to like contenders tier you know what i mean like an a tier or an s tier from like the bottom five right like i don't think you'll see like big no. swaps no, but it's, i think it's there, there are one or two ta- teams that i think are like, are, are jumping six I, seven eight I, slots Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely have like five teams like this. No troll. Oh yeah, I don't know I'm, about five. I'm pretty happy with mine. But yeah, I th- I think because we don't really, I think anybody who thinks that they know how hero pools are going to affect the Overwatch yeah. League without seeing it in practicality or just you know selling some snake oil, I don't doubt That's that. Some... Like there's there's sure. like you know three different kind of philosophies on how hero pools are going to shake out. And one of them is probably mostly right. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it, it, it changes. I think it changes so much. It added. So it adds so much volatility to the hero uh, or not the hero pools, uh, the power rankings. So I think we'll just kind of have to see from there, but that's an update. On the top five, you can find Yiska and Volumel's uh, power rankings pre-hero pools on... Are they both on GG Intel? 
No, yes, because uh, are completely on GG until you can find mine on esportsheaven.com. Perfect. So you go find them there, and nobody cares about mine anyway. I'm just here for the discussion, so whatever. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Feel good? Anything you guys want to yeah. add on, on power rankings? Uh, I think I'll... Mm, we'll see. Uh, maybe I'll have a Scrimbox power ranking there. And then it would pre-power power rankings week one as mm. teams, as how I heard, teams entered into the thing. I'm not sure how good... Okay, here's here's the here's the thing. You're you know playing ESPN, with dark magics. You know he ESPN has this poll of coaches yeah. and they're just like asking around and they need to like some of these teams have never scrimmed each other. Haven't touched any any parts other than in rent games like since since last season, right? Mm. So um how would they know? So in that regard, I think there's some inaccuracy going, also seeing the result. But um, of course, like the, scrim the the one that I would be able to provide is just like really a question of how good is my bullshit filter? Because I can tell you, Scrimmoth is definitely happening again. Like I was, today was just mind blowing how it's like, you know how I had this esports fallacy where it's like Scrimmoth, the... Uh, some of both win rates that a team gives you against the other will always exceed 120%. It's 140% now, dude. Yeah. Like, how do you get... It's it's okay, like, to see, like, a slight tendency, like, 60-40 in either case. Like, that's your personal bias. How do you say you're stomping scrims against someone and then the other one says they're stomping as well? What? Everybody's stomping. Everybody's winning all the time. <laughs> Everyone's stomping, dude. So it, so it has to be one, like it has to be one of two things, right? It either has to be one, one, one person is just lying, right? Because uh, at the end, there's, there's like actual. We won the map. We lost the map. So if yeah. you look at scrim results as winning maps and losing maps, somebody's lying, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or they are uh, incredibly biased, but most coaches I've we've had on the show and we've met aren't these types of coaches to just be like, we won thirty percent, but it felt like we won seventy percent, and I'm not I, I don't, I'm not checking any of that. Whereas yeah. more than likely, it seems like we're really working on this, and I'm watching this, and when we're doing this strategy, or we're using these players, or this thing like i feel really good about the performance and therefore we win mm -hmm. and i have a feeling it might be more of the latter yeah i would say there are two coaches that are very interesting in the sense that they seem to lowball their win rate they seem to be feeling worse about the performance than who it actually is uh i can't say that but um yeah that bias like towards your own shortcomings also exists mm -hmm. that's an inter interesting sure. revelation for me and uh, those, I guess I can say that those are analysts. So um, I think it's it's interesting how these things work. Of course, what could might also be happening is we've had wild meta switches in the in the scrims uh, because of the PTR changes and everything. So um, I'm not necessarily asking them on the same day, mm. though I struggle to see how it would change this drastically within a week maybe um but yeah that's it's 
kind of interesting how this shakes out. Um, again, I'll have a Scrimbox stock exchange ready on that, trying to like distort reality to the point of where I'm not getting anyone in trouble. But we'll see. It's always the magic. Yeah, of the stocks. Stocks. Lol. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Anyways, that's the update on our power rankings. Um, basically, it's a big old go f yourself. <laughs> You'll figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. If they didn't whoa, mean whoa, anything, if they didn't mean anything before Hero Pools, oh yeah. Now they yeah, definitely they don't, mean don't mean anything. Anything. Yeah. Now. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Couple last minute changes. To uh, not really changes. These are things that I think have largely been set in stone for a while now. Um, but mm. a couple of public changes to uh, Overwatch League rosters as we're going into Season 3. Um, first and foremost, the Atlanta Reign have added Kodak and Fire to uh, the roster as supports. Puts the roster as 12, as, at, um, as Sefi promised on our episode with him earlier this offseason. And uh, it's, it's perfectly balanced. Each position has a backup. Three as all things at, should. Yeah, it's just... It's right there. Uh, Kodak, of course, started off last season with the Atlanta Rain before leaving the team to play on Atlanta Academy instead. So um, let's talk about Kodak first. Mm. Uh, Joe, I'm going to actually, I'm going to, I want to ask you about this a little bit. I feel like you're sure. more of the, the NA contenders watcher oh. guy. Um, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I can, I can speak on Kodak. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so, he's- the, Super the, the big idea was is that um, on the Atlanta Reign last year, if I'm understanding this correctly, on Atlanta Reign mm. last year, he was just kind of warming up the bench. Dogman was largely taking most of the playtime and not taking, but earning, whatever you want to say. He was playing sure. the most out of it, and uh, Kodak came to a mutual decision with the Atlanta Reign to go play for Atlanta Academy. He mm-hmm. stayed with the Atlanta Rain team throughout his stint with the Academy. Um, he, um, yeah, I, I think that that's one of the big thing. Uh, Brad came out and said like, Hey, he, he's still very much part of the team. We just want him to get more play time. We want him to continue to grow as a player to play at the overwatch league wet level and warming the bench. Mm. probably isn't a winning situation for either us or Kodak. So um, what do you think based on, I think his, his, his uh, experience in contenders and just overall, is this someone who's coming back and is going to make an impact on the Atlanta roster this year? Or is this, I think something maybe are we uh, is this is he just going to come back and ride the bench again um i think for most deep rosters i think with with teams that actually do have a bench there is going to be lull periods for even just starters um if hero pools are going to be as drastic as some people claim they should be um there's a good chance that having your second string flex support your second string main tank whatever it might be um they're going to get ahead of the game in terms of practice which should net them starting positions 
in, in, a, in almost a rotational way, right? Um, hmm. If things don't turn out uh, to be as drastic as uh, what people say they should be with within regards to hero pools, uh, yeah, there's a good chance that uh, Kodak still sees a, a bit of bit of bench time. But there again, we we can't sleep on the fact that travel is quite stressful. Travel's hard to do. It's not you you know we're not built to be on the move that often and people are going to to suffer because of it um in terms of their play in terms of the level that they can bring so th- if you have somebody that's fresh uh somebody that is you know sharing scrim time as as much as you know you can allot them they should move up i think it's i think this is the season to build out your roster i think it's it's good in general it's a good safety measure to kind of keep your team uh able to fill positions you know uh we saw teams even last year um main tanks having to go back to Korea for XYZ reason, you know, DPS, you know, weren't able to play because of, of the stress of, you know, stage time and had to leave and the teams didn't have, you know, replacements. Now that is kind of uh, a guarantee almost that that's going to happen and having a substitute and incorporating them and building a system to actually incorporate them, um, which it sounds like what is exactly what Atlanta has done. Um, Steffi words, Steffi's words. Um, yeah, I think this is good overall. I think teams that have built out their rosters will probably do well. I, I tried to incorporate that in my power rankings and I think Kodak is, is definitely good enough to play. Um, but it's, it's how they, they incorporate him. It, it's in same, same goes with fire. Uh, and obviously that's, that's kind of the, the logical next step. Um, fire is very, very talented. Um, and so is Kodak. So I, I think this is the season to have a bench player to have a system in place to to actually incorporate them in either now or in the future and they they should see results based on that they should see positive increases fair yeska what do you think i mean is this i i see i i tend to feel like there's the the reactions to this are kind of polarized in the sense that either like great we have depth here Dogman mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. uh, Masa are still going to just, you know, be the go-to starting, you know, uh, supports for the raid. But I also have mm-hmm. other people saying that these are both really good supports and on certain heroes, especially like, I don't know how Dogman's Moira is. Right? I don't. Like, uh, I, actually, pretty good. It is good? Yeah. Great. Yeah, I, have no, mm-hmm. I have no idea. I, didn't, I haven't watched Probably a lot of it. Maybe it's best hero, which is always funny. Like, Whenever Dogman says he hates something, he's probably very good at it. It's like just like the formula that uh, has been popping up with him. It's it's kind of weird. How, um, like usually it's the other way around. Like when I teach a child, and then like I hate division. It's like yeah, that because you're not good at it. But right. for him, it seems to be the other way around. Yeah. So. I mean, what is that? I mean, is is he good enough on Moira, Zen, and Ana, or do they? Do you think it's more of a like a a map pick, or do you think it's just simply backup and who's feeling better on that day or planned rest? I think um, <clears throat> I think teams would be well advised to sort of specialize part of their uh, their players. Also, there's like we've when when Zephy was here, he was talking about a, a lot about like team chemistry and like mm. having players in whatever. I f- I feel like the 
prohibitive part, and that sort of seeped through last season that Dako and Kodak couldn't coexist, and I'm not necessarily sure that was actually on Kodak. Um, and again, this is not me leaking any new juice, that's just like repeating what happened. I can already see the Reddit clip of, of this. Uh, I'm not leaking anything, that's just like my recollection of how this was... Um, how this was presented and um i think they could be we could be seeing like a specialization maybe of kodak in that regard i also think he wasn't much worse than um than dogman when he was actually playing so um it's okay if you look at the um at the atlanta roster i think a lot of people would say that flex support is probably uh the their flat starting flex support would probably be considered one of the first roles to uh, be upgraded by a better uh, or someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the general that's that's the temperature I get from the community. Um, I think that might be true, but it's also a thing thing of availability. And honestly, there there aren't that many flex supports outside of Overwatch League that deserve it more than or would be better than Kodak. And by the way, this also extends to Crimson. Mm. So um, I, th- I think this is a fine pickup, knowing that like, just how he works uh, in that uh, environment. I think you're also well advised to have people with like a, um, a certain attitude towards um, their profession, to have them in the team, especially when travel starts, when volatility starts. So I, I, like... All I've heard of Kodak in terms of like personal personal relationships is strictly positive. Yep. So I don't mind that pickup at all. Yeah. Do you think uh, Do you think a twelve person roster is more important and impactful now that we're in hero pools? Do you think that all? I think it, and I said this going into the preseason. I was I was skeptical when everybody was saying it's it it's not feasible, right? It's it's not financially sustainable to be able to have this kind of roster, and I totally agree with that. But I think it's primarily based on the efficiency. Do you have a strong coaching staff that has a structure in mind to incorporate these players? If so, then yes. If you can afford it, great. If you have the budget for it, go for it. As long as that coaching and that structure is in place, I think it's it's very efficient to be able to do this. And if you have the right players, if you have the right eyes on those players and they meet those metrics, then great, bring them in. But if you are not, and you don't have, your, your coaching staff doesn't feel comfortable trying to integrate all these players into a, a practice system, then don't. It's probably not worth it because you're going to get people like they did in season one unhappy with where they're at and kind of just stuck in a contract. Like I don't want to be here. I'm getting paid. Great. But I, I don't, we're not even being used. That doesn't feel good. Um, and I think that's what people like Taimu, people like flower, a lot of the, the older kind of the, the old guard almost have gone back to contenders to at least get some play time to keep the, their wheels moving and to keep their stock at least at a, at a, at an average. Um, in the public eye, and we we know that that actually affects uh, what what teams and, and the decisions that they make. So I, I think that's overall a net positive. But I, to go back to the question, I think it comes back to: Does it make sense for your team? I don't think it's just a broad broad sweeping answer. I do think this season in general, you need depth, but 
to go all the way to 12, I think that varies. I think what is interesting though is, um, for instance, London across the preseason mm-hmm. has been scrimming A and B team. Sure. So teams would li- literally like book scrims against London B or yeah. against London A. And um, those also, from what I understand, are quite different in quality. So it's interesting to see that this sole type of thing is happening again. But even to a further extent, where it's like, and there's still substitutions between the squads happening and whatnot. It's mm. like not the, that set in stone, but um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting uh, dynamic. And it, we will have to see how this turns out because, um, like, the hard division. I will also say, I think a lot of teams will start solidifying their roster. Uh, I think, for instance, for ATL, that's probably the case. Sure. Where they pretty much know their starters, and oh yeah, um, of course. I think most teams probably have their starting rosters, but it's you know it's a marathon, it's not a race. Um, sure. And as long as, like I said, as long as the coaching staff has um, systems put in place to incorporate these bench players into the team, so you're not just like plugging in a new player that just has been grinding Sombra or been grinding Baptiste. Um, that that's that might be good on paper, but in practice. You know that that's a brand new player to add to the system but what i will say is it it's very interesting to me that it's always been korean teams that try this and find at least some success with it we've mm-hmm. seen it with london seoul i can't think of anything off the top of my head but when you go to other esports like starcraft like league of, league of legends that's a very normal thing yes you have like a b team that is your your dedicated practice partner it's like hey it's it's almost like an underclassman. There's just like, hey, I need yeah. you to go do this for me. I need you to I need you to play this against me in this way in this specific time, so that I can get better. And by that, you kind of build social stock and you you climb up the ladder that way. But um, I, I'll even tell you, I think a player like Zephyr would be highly sought after in in like it, it, let's say he was as good in scrims as people say. Uh, in like as people say in like StarCraft. Like that would be a baller practice partner, whatever oh, yeah. if he doesn't bring it on stage. But if you can have like your top players practice against a guy like that, that would be uh, quite attractive to uh, a lot team. of organizations back in the day. So yep, yep. I think that like in uh, Brute War, there are legends about like some scrim gods that could never like bring it on the big stage and that ultimately mm-hmm. were like pro- premier practice partners for the actual like bonjois and stuff. So. Um, yeah, I think it, it is an interesting part. Like we also see this, like when we talked about um, Atlanta Academy with um, with Zephy, and we talked sure. about Sugar Free. Where it's mm. like, yeah, I'm br- like, like he straight up says, like I'm not bringing him because I expect, like I want to keep him warm so he can in four years play for me in the Overwatch League. It's like I want to have him here because he's nuts and he helps my main team and the other players on his team in the uh, in contenders grow yeah right so um that aspect certainly is part of it. it it opens up a whole broad question about how you can value contenders teams and and we kind of were talking about that pre-show but i think there are like non-monetary values that are are very valuable to teams that do have contenders teams that that 
can get players earlier, can can use it for scouting, and but can also use it for genuine practice, like actual good practice partners that wouldn't be able to play in the Overwatch League anyways, right? Obviously, Sugar Free in four years' time might be a completely different person. But right now, he's a great player and is going to challenge my main team much in the same way that an Overwatch League team would challenge them. Mm-hmm. So you kind of bypass these rules almost mm-hmm. in practice. And I think that's valuable. Yeah. So what about the Dallas Fuel? So the Dallas Fuel also made a new addition this past week. Sure. And um, up until now, we have kind of discussed and rated <laughs> Dallas Fuel as incrementally improving based because of Dohan DK. Mm. Uh, now they add Crimzo to the list uh, at Flex Support. And um, behind, well, not behind, but with with Unco on that team, and mm. you know, kind of the same conversation. Is this something you know? Uh, it, okay, Fire and and Kodak maybe situational players, um, but definitely not clear cut starters. What about Crimson? I think there's a world where that's a clear cut starter. Yes, I think he will start. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm still not completely sold on the fact that Unko is completely washed up. Um, he definitely has not looked, um, like he did in the past, Yeah, but I need, I think I need to see a little bit more before we completely sail on that ship. And if Crimzo starts for a majority of the season, I think, I think there's a reason for that. I think that that ship has sailed in. Where we're 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 done here. That that the that kind of discussion's over. Uh, if if a you know a player who you know has a fantastic story again, you know, Envision got this kid off the ladder because he was just sick at Zen, mm-hmm. and then just signed him. He was actually really good, pleasant to work with, absolute grinder, and can play Ana really really well too. Like he's yes. the 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 crusher ninety nine of the overwatch league like obviously you can have multiple but that's the kind of archetypal story that that crimson has it's and, and by no means am i saying that this is why they signed him but it's a great marketing point you can make content around that he is pleasant to work with like yes that's the very, big point very good yeah i think like i asked around and there was one sentence that stuck in my mind about him like one of his former coaches says I signing him, you signed an adult to the Overwatch League. That so, like, he's he's mature, he works at it professionally, um, he's, um, has just, like, like a solid attitude, no, like, um, you know, drama behind him or anything, he just grinds, right? Like, he's the grinder, but also, like, he's, um, like, he, he got his life in order, so to mm. speak, right? And, um, yeah, I think, I think a there's not really any obvious candidates where I'm like, why did you not pick that kid? Yeah, especially like, if you're looking at a Western flex. And I also think generally he's like underrated by a lot of people. Like I saw some weird takes on Reddit about his quality, and um, I think they got to rewatch the envy. Uh, because that's the thing they just look at world cup and they're just like oh man he wasn't great in world cup like i don't know like nobody spends their time watching contenders and it i like as somebody who has seen a little bit i haven't dived up like dove into every single one of their matches but i watch gauntlet i watch pacific showdown he's pretty good yeah yeah good player i don't know how we've we've gone completely the opposite direction but 
there again, it's that's the the nature of Reddit. We completely rubber band after a while. You know, he was the you know a Reddit darling, and now he's not worth it. And Unco should be starting. Uh, like I don't know. I, I think he's I think he's good. I think even if you think that it, it's a lateral move, I think that Crimzo yeah. brings intangibles to that team or also limits like, the possibility of negative intangibles. It's it's just like people don't think lateral signings are good when it's like in this season they m- very well might be we don't know yet but like having like players of equal skill grind out s- different heroes no. and having them almost like be able to be switched out uh depending on the meta without many hiccups in shot calling or chemistry or how they work with each other in real life is like invaluable possibly mm-hmm. So side grades in terms of skill, that's only really a limited aspect of, uh, of the entire picture. So I don't mind that at all. I think also uh, Crimson has um, tenure with that uh, organization. They very well know who he is. And um, that's like, um, yeah, that's, it just reminds me of how ATL has conducted uh, pickups this season. Maybe maybe Crimson isn't quite like Hawk uh, Gator level pickup. Sure, but the Dallas Fuel aren't the, a top five team in Overwatch League either. Totally, sure. but the idea is still there. And goes back to my point: you can find value that's non-monetary with a contender team. Is it a money sink? Totally, but you get players as long as you put in the effort. Like Alarm, like Gator, like Hawk, Sugar Free, obviously is another example. Like you are, you can find these players as long as you give you know the people the the right people the right opportunity to. I, I'll even go as far as to say that Dallas probably make it, made a mistake to not just promote the NV backline to the main team. I think I like that move a lot. Going full hybrids and having like pre-established synergy between them and Fire is also like a yeah pretty good prospect with a with a. Uh, Leveled head on his shoulders. It's like, yeah, I, I think that would have been probably an upgrade great over what they have now. Yep. Yeah. I think Fire would actually work really well on Valiant as well. Like, if they were like mm, looking for somebody, true. I think that would have been a great move. Yeah. Well, yeah. but that's again one of the big distinctions between, you know, a top five team and teams that are, you know, flirting around the bottom seven, bottom eight is their ability to secure top tier like tier two talent and bring, bring them up into the overwatch league and keep them in your organization. Yeah. Um, I, th- like the more I think about this, how are we not thinking about that envy non promotal position in the same way that we are thinking about? I think we might very well w- wake up like after like a couple of games, let's say 10 games and think did did Envy really screw up in the same sense that Florida Mayhem screwed up by not promoting their uh, contenders roster? I think there's a chance. I think it's tough because I don't expect Fire and Crimzo to... I, I think Crimzo sees more playtime than Fire in, does. Sharp, Sharp is in the... Uh, definitely does, but there again, he's also fighting that kind of uphill battle against Edison. Um, and to be fair... No, no, I mean, like, if he went to Dallas... Instead. Yeah, if if then both they of those have players had to shell out big time for exactly um, like if we can see those Doha. players and actually test that, then I I completely agree with you. 
Um, I agree with you in, in principle as well, but I think the public is going to look at that and well, well, they're not seeing playtime, so they must not be good. And then the the theories. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think in principle, yes, these are three players you could have easily put into your roster. You know what kind of value they have because you've worked with them. You have a coaching staff that's worked with them. You have notes on these players. Do they fit? No. Okay, I guess get rid of them. But it, it feels very weird that we would pass on prospects that are good for players that are arguably over the hill. So remember, yeah. Aaron Rodgers was a backup to Brett Favre. There's one for you sports for you sports kids out there. <laughs> Just remember that. Three years right in the bench. What an yeah. NFL could have been. Sorry. I, I, I think to be fair to Dallas, what might have happened is that the order of operation of uh their offseason moves went in such a way that this move didn't become apparent. In the sense that, okay. They think we have X amount of players that are just locked in and we cannot get rid of them. And then they are like, okay, we got to upgrade big and make the most out of the positions we can change. But we still have slots. And then it's mm. like, oh, two players step back. Oh, okay. So I think maybe if this all happened at the start of the preseason or postseason, maybe they make different moves and then get like a couple of envy players up and then allocate resources towards. Um, like maybe a better off tank, something like that. And that's where I kind of hope that them actually having a very positive track record on flipping players from their contenders team opens their eyes in that regard, much in the same way that the mayhem had a good thing going and then just completely had to let it go. I think that should be this, these moves for this off season for, for Dallas and envy. This can work. You can build for the future. You don't have to keep running the same contrived and dry players over and over. Like you can build for the future, and that's that's okay. Hmm. Well, they got to finish paying the ones that they have now. You know, maybe stop re-upping them. Like that has, like that has to be. So, I mean, and thinking about it, it's like, why would you? Are are the people in Envy not aware of the talent that they have and just not able to sign them, or was it more like they got? good offers elsewhere and you've got players on the Dallas fuel who were locked down are, are locked down for uh stop locking down players that nice, shouldn't be locked nice down paychecks very nice paychecks considering oh, yeah. the overwatch league performance totally no complaints yeah. there good luck getting that I, I think out. I think we should we should start to eye these moves very skeptically and go why why what why why are we doing this? Yeah. There's, well, they, they kind of did a little bit with Mickey, right? So kind of tangentially sure. close to this. Mickey's kind of been, I don't know if relegated is the best word, but uh, he's going to be a content creator now for fuel slash envy. Sure. Doesn't mean that he can't be in the locker room. That's all he was. Anyways, you're just paying him a contract. He's, he's hogging a spot. I like Mickey. I think he brought he brought a lot to this team, but he can still do Mickey that. Mickey was probably the best marketing player that the Dallas Fuel had. Uh, 100%. The first season. I mean, he was 100%. got the first uh you got the Dennis Hoelka award in season 1, right? Yeah. That's great. People love that. Probably sold a ton of jerseys. Mm-hmm. And even, even I want to go up, like, out of- there are people that I would just like I would never go up and like want to get a picture with somebody. Mickey's not that guy though. I would go up in a heartbeat, yeah. be like, "Hey, can we get a picture?" Be like, totally. Who? He'd be I, like, "Who are you?" Like, I'm kick tripod. I do tactical crouch. He goes, "What's that?" 
You're you a know, YouTube man. Sh- sh- shut up and take a picture of me, okay? <laughs> he's, he's the type of person who, you know, people hold signs up in the crowd and say, play Mickey, you cowards, you know? And then when he is played, the crowd goes nuts. Yep. That's that that can still be utilized without actually putting him in your starting roster. So I think all in all for the fuel, I think this is a step in the right direction. I think this is good, um, but I think they're just kind of hampered by a lot of the older uh, decisions that they've made. I agree. All right, let's move on. We've got we've it's the Overwatch League begins in four days. Does weirdly enough. It's uh, right around the corner and we want to do, we're going to be testing out a few different formats for the best way to kind of preview the matches for everybody. So make sure if you're watching on YouTube or watching on Twitch, whatever, just let us know what you think about the format, what you want. And we, and we put this out to our patrons and subs. We're like, Hey, what do you guys want to see from a preview show? Like what's really important that, you know, we don't know necessarily what watch point is going to look like. We don't know how long it's going to be, how in depth it's going to go Saturday and Sunday. You're going to be glued to your screens, watching overwatch league games. If you can be. So what do you need to know going into a preview show or walking away from a preview show to feel like, yeah, I'm excited for this weekend. I know what I need to know. I understand the storylines, the, the stakes, um, and you know, just what's going on. So, uh, make sure to do that. The other thing we wanted to do beforehand, and, and yes, I kind of forgot about this, though, but I, I believe we're bringing back the uh, German word of the week. Yes. Um, so the, the one I can think about, and I guess that serves as a preview, is, okay, it, basically two words, and they mean the same, same thing, but they're both just as complicated as each other, so I'm going to make you suffer through it. One is Unberechenbarkeit, and the other one is Sprunghaftigkeit. You <laughs> squeeze me. Say that once more. Okay. Repeat after me. Okay. Un, 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 b, 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 rech, rech, n, n, ba, ba, kite, kite. Ubi, unberechenbarkeit. Ubi unberechenbarkeit. Yeah, I'll post it. Ubi unberechenbarkeit. Pretty close, pretty good. Um, so it means basically like volatility or like ver- incalculable, if you want. Right? Mm. All right. So, like the, the um, like the number of vowels in that word, <laughs> incalculable, yes, innumerable, <laughs> indeed. Um, so the idea is, and once again, hint, hint, you're going to find out more on this on Thursday, but. The meta is wild, and we're not even in hero pools. No. So, Crush we, have, we have four different comps that are regularly played on different maps just in Asia. And then we have different comps, and, and there's also modular a difference where it's like, okay, you're still the same archetype, the same comp, but some teams play with Orisa and, uh, and Ryan, and some play, teams play with Diva and Ryan. And then in, in NA, it is wild it, and it feels to me that there's also two scrim bubbles because a lot of teams are playing each other so they're not scr- uh, screaming against them so there's like also the diva ryan and then orisa ryan shenanigans but then there's um also a bunch of widow uh mccree is played even though that's not at all like everyone uh, abandoned that in in asia 
stuff like that. I've even seen uh, people talk about strategies with Symmetra. Mm -hmm. So it's wild. It's basically and, what we wanted out of Overwatch League with the map, map meta, but we were not even in Hero Pulse right now. Ooh, who brought you that in the preseason chat? Ooh, who said that that was going to happen? We did. Yeah. It's going to happen with all of the travel, with all the regional metas. Things are going to get weird. If they stay weird, that's hard to predict. We don't need more barriers to entry. Hopefully, Blizzard sees this and just scraps the idea of hero pools before it even starts. Uh, I don't think we're scrapping. I no, think we're not, likely, unfortunately. But And I haven't... Oh, okay, so Super said something like they talked... The players talked to the developers. I haven't any actually talked about it to anyone um, about the content of that call. But I, I will say... I would be surprised. Oh no, no, no. Okay. Oh, we are once again being very careful with what we say <clears> because, <throat> because we don't want to be clipped. Saying He's something unclipping stupid. himself. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. We're unclipping, but I think one of the core demands or like suggestions that players have is let's not do it weekly. Let's do it bi-weekly or something else. Yeah, I think that's a lot more reasonable and meets their goals, even though I just fundamentally disagree with them but i think that's a lot more reasonable all right fair enough it's time yeah it's time to preview let's go let's uh get that up and running all right so before we get started there's a few things about the preview i already i kind of talked about hey we want your feedback and all that kind of stuff uh the um I do want to give a special shout out to Eric who helped put together the spreadsheet to give us something that looks really good for the stream. But at the same time is something that means that I don't have to spend 45 minutes editing in Photoshop for one image that's used for 15 minutes on one episode kind of thing. So uh, he did an amazing job building out the spreadsheet, making it look good. And uh, hopefully people who are watching the video like it and people who are in audio you know you're, you're fine you can still hear what we're talking about um but other than that let's get into the match our week one match previews so um the overwatch league is obviously just a few days away and each week we're going to be preview previewing most of the uh most important matches and storylines going into the weekend pretty straightforward we're not going to cover every match we don't think but we will be covering the matches we think are the most important for the week. And of course we're going to pick winners as well. Uh, make sure to go to high noon.gg, get into that, uh, league pick with us lose. I hope all three <laughs> of us are in the top five. So I only have to pay for two prize winners. Yeah, right. That's how it works. That's how it's going to work. If we're, if all three of us are in the top five, you have to buy us merch. All right, so cool. Let's um, let's before we I think even start talking about the matches themselves. I think it's really important that we discuss the major implications for week one because uh, this is the first week of Overwatch League season three. This is the first week of traveling and homestands. This is the first week of the rest of our lives. This is the first time that we're going to start seeing the, uh, 
I, I would say the ultimate vision of Overwatch League that is this traveling geographic esports league. This is the first time we're going to see it really happen beyond the sporadic once a stage homestands that we've had in the past. So, um, Yiska, I want to ask you first, how much information do you think that we're going to be able to get about the strength of teams in the first week in of terms games? Of, oh, okay. So I think generally you will like, if you look at the, the matches that are happening, a lot of them, it, it's very seldom the case that two top 10 teams are playing against each other. By the projected power rankings, I will have to revisit. Like the last time I thought about the, those matches in week one, I didn't have the pulp, if you want, the juicy pulp um, that I have. Now. No, 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 no. Sorry. There we go. Boom. Sorry. The juicy no, pulp. So you can't take it back. That's, I take it back. Really, I haven't no, used the boo one in a while. Way. Yeah. But you clap first, so it's Pog. Um, but, but I think um, just like in in the week one, it's of course like there's a lot of volatility um, in in terms of like how do people adjust to that circumstance the first time? Yes, there were homesteads last time, but maybe like team some teams would learn better from that experience than others. Um, I think. As always, this is one game. Some teams play two games. Don't oversweat it, but we can, like, it wouldn't be the Overwatch uh, League scene if we weren't to make any crazy projections on uh, season uh, strength or outcome based on these matches. I don't think it's realistic to see that yet because, like, week one, like, the, the Hero Pulse thing, thing hasn't happened. The travel restrictions or, like, you know, this this dread, travel dread, if you want, hasn't set in yet. Like, it, it's basically like st um, game one last year, or game one, game two, whatever, how many um, games you're uh, playing. I will also say, um, like, based on the percentages that we have up there, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because some people were asking in chat, this is not based on like impressions or any values that we assigned. This is based on map wins or. Um, so this is actually based off use. of. So this is actually based off of uh, oddsportal.com, which is a oh. odds aggregator based on betting odds. I'm making a lot of money on that uh, Dallas game. I, I, that's I'm what I'm saying. That. So we we're, we're gonna and we're trying something here we can totally remove it from the spreadsheet if it ends up not find, finding value but i think it finds a very i, I found them really interesting and mm -hmm. i think it really lets us see who we who the i don't want to say outside world thinks is is stronger or or um uh whatever more overpowered than the the other team but it, yeah, it's there's just, some money to be made I, that's what i'm saying thanks <laughs> patrons we're about to double your money this week no i'm just kidding but um yeah it's just it's very interesting to see some of these odds and to kind of draw those two together based on what we see and what we're talking about versus what the you know odds are generally um seen as very kind of mathematical and infallible. If you like actually line up all the odds for the season, you should mm. get it 
wrong, I guess, if you always bet the odds. So the so we're including them there for right now, just to kind of see and sure. feel how that lens um, lends itself as we as, as we talk to it. So um, Yo, somebody needs to get a hold of us to get these odds right because somebody's just losing them. Just, just don't. And also, I don't want to have anyone like just like flaming me and because that happened last uh last year right like where where i put my percentages on twitter and someone bet like 50 bucks and then just like started cursing me out pretty much see his goal style it's just like how much bro how much he's like 50 bucks yeah i've it's um i feel for you but um hey you 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 play the game you know you go into it knowing this is a losing game we're just trying to minimize the losses yeah, we also like just like maybe from a legal point of view, of, of course, not trying to influence anything here. And no, I, I don't still have. Um, I'll I'll say before I really started actively content creating, I did like one or two bets, um, but I definitely won't uh, and haven't ever since I started talking to even one member of the uh, yeah. of the teams. That'd so. Yeah. Some mean yeah. stuff. Definitely so, won't. Yeah. Anyways, that, that's the percentages that you see on the stream. We'll say the percentages out loud when we start talking about the individual matches, but um, we're going to be kind of using this for, or trying out this format just to see how it kind of helps paint our discussions and how we see uh, the teams and matchups maybe a little bit differently than um, those betting websites are. By the way, if you use our info to make bets on websites and you lose that's on you and if you send me an email or angry tweet about it uh i'm gonna print it out and put it on my wall <laughs> and I, yeah. i'm gonna hang it up right back there and just be like well you're an idiot make a decision for yourself um yeah. anyways so major implications back back to major implications this week so uh joe what about you how much information are you hoping to extrapolate from week one of um, um it's pretty basic in general um what i think i'm going to be looking at is exactly what's being run and then trying to project that on to other teams and seeing from what we've seen from these players in the past can they at least pilot some of the things that are run does it match a style that they've ran in the past it doesn't match um something that they've been successful with in the past um, is there a coaching staff member or a player that have or has um, found success with this meta for a long time, much in the same way that like Vancouver came in after dominating in goats, you put them in goats, they're going to do well, right? I think that's pretty, pretty much a given. Um, will that happen this year? It's probably unlikely, especially for the length of time, but seeing how these teams stack up just off of what's being run. I think we we have a good idea going into it, but that again, that's that's all incomplete information. So this, while as equally incomplete, this starts to shed a little bit more light. So that's kind of where I'm looking at how to view week one. So this week as well, we are going to see three of Overwatch League's presumed best teams in San Francisco, NYXL, and Vancouver this weekend. Uh, as we look at these top teams, Yiska, uh, like, what are you looking to see from the shock? Um, are they playing this weekend? Yeah, they, they play, play one last, the At last Dallas. game in Dallas. Yep. Uh, against 
Dallas. Dallas. At oh, against that. <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot. We all, the, the sad thing 81, is that 19 we, is those percentages, by the way. 81, yeah. 19. I think that might even be high. Um, yeah. Uh, or low in terms of like reference point. But um, yeah, I think the Sharks definitely, like from, from all I've heard, still enter the Overwatch League in, uh, as pole position team, team to beat. Um, they are, from what I've heard, teams that are uh, splitting scrims, but then again, scrims, boys, really mid scrims. And um, yeah, I think everyone's uh, sort of also interested, just for, like what kind of comps they're running, because like they're the big dogs. And um, from my understanding, is that they they've played. Um, I mean, it's hard to say unorthodox style because like everyone's just like playing different stuff right but um they have they have some interesting strategies that they're just trying out doesn't mean that they think that it's the premier strategy they're probably also just like testing the waters and um yeah i think we can expect like uh, top tier overwatch from them and i think we can also inspect a stump honestly like yeah. i don't know what kind of uh home ground advantage you think they dallas will have but uh that's going to be a library in that arena at the end of the day. Yep. I expect them to be booed. I hope they will be booed. Um, shock, that is. And yeah, I, I think these are players that have, that should not phase them in the slightest. Um, and this is a, a, a resident sleeper game. Like, I am not interested in watching this game in the slightest. This is a shock 3 0, no problem. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's that's there's not much there. Anything there though? Are you at all like it, what what if we come in and you mean do you think that there's any are you looking for how strong relative to these teams these teams that we rate so high, highly are? I would say SF uh, and NYXL specifically seem to be top 3 easy in just about every single power ranking worth sure. Uh watching or looking at mm -hmm. i mean do you think like i don't know <laughs> I, I i guess i, I don't know it's, it's like just... it's, it's beating up on people like very very below you like if you struggle then that's a talking point but i think it is a it is a stretch for me to even think of a world where that actually happens even with nyxl into boston um and shock into dallas much the same way like I, I have to see it and if it goes the way I think it will there's very little to glean from it you're, you're beating up on children sure all right if they lose a map okay that that's a lot more interesting maybe they're not as strong I'm not willing to immediately buy into that theory but um that will say a lot but I even then I think that that's a tough ask fair enough well, let's talk about this first match then. So the first match for the week is going to be the Toronto Defiant versus uh, the uh, Paris Eternal. Mm. Both teams that we put in the bottom eight teams on the league. Um, mm -hmm. mm. Paris definitely more towards the bottom than uh, Toronto, but I had Toronto pretty low. I put them, I put them down 16 or 17. I can't quite remember, um, but they were low for sure. So, um, let's, I mean, let's just start right there. Right now, the odds are 60, 40, 
Toronto. For Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, game. This is the New York homestand. Starts at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday. Just so we're all clear there. Uh, so, I mean, Joe, tell me a little bit about what you think about this matchup. This is one of the closest <laughs> matchups that we have for the entire week at 60-40. Um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Um, unfortunately, the, the week one matches are not... Um, not super interesting. I think it's exciting to get back in the swing of things, but if we're going to be kind of rational about this, these aren't like matches that I'm like super jazzed to go watch and, and look at. Um, the, Sorry, the, the absolute. Yeah, well, we'll get to Broy in a second, but I think in general, there's just been like a lack of overwatch to consume and watch and, and break down. And the fact that we're hearing that people are running weird stuff, the fact that, you know, we haven't had overwatch league and, you know, however long, um, we'll take what we can get at this point. At least that's how I'm feeling. Uh, I won't speak for everybody, but um, Paris and Toronto in general should be pretty one-sided. I, I think the odds are a little, a little low on Toronto's side. I, I think this is like a very convincing Toronto win. Um, I, I expect them to kind of fit the meta and the meta is very open ended. This is not a, this is not a solved question. This is not rigid from everything that I'm hearing. And I expect Toronto to do um, well. Uh, This is a Paris team that doesn't have their, their, their big Korean players that they've signed. I do think that Paris into London, and we'll get into that a little later. They don't have their Korean players. No, Uh, Hanbin is not of age yet. I think his birthday is in a couple weeks. And obviously, Sparkle won't be of age until like midseason. Right. So XE will be able to play that just that the other thing. But those are uh those are some pretty big pieces missing to this puzzle. Um and even with that, I, I struggle. I, I need to see that 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 Paris before I can measure them. But from what we see right now with this Paris roster and who's able to play, I I don't think they'll win. I, I maybe give them a map, but I, I think Toronto is going to come out. I think they're going to look very good. I think they're going to really set the pace for how these games are going to look in terms of what's played, what the meta is. Like I said, it's, I think it's very open to Yiska's point um, and, and Toronto play in that very well. So I think this is a decisive Toronto victory. Mm-hmm. You agree, Yeska? Mm, okay, so here's Paris is a juice blind spot. Um, <laughs> your juicer is not activated. Yeah, no, it's not really juice in there. It's like it. it I I haven't heard how they're doing recently. Mm. Um, but and therefore it's hard for me to uh, estimate. Sure. Still think sixty forty is like fair for Toronto. Um, yeah. because I've heard that they are doing okay. So sure. th- like, okay, so generally. Just from a roster perspective, it's probably slightly up for uh, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Then meta volatility comes in; it, it, it like converges to the to the average again. But then, like, oh, here's some positive juice about Toronto. Then again, mm-hmm. I have a tendency to uh, overrate Toronto, so we're juicing down again okay. a bit, and we arrive at sixty percent, being a, probably a fair probability of them. Uh, I th- if I game. had to, if I had to pick a probability, if we're gonna do that game, I think this is like a seventy-five twenty-five. Ooh, that's high. That's yeah. high. I'm very confident in this Toronto oh, team. No. 
winning. You might, again, that 25 opens up a map, two maps, and I'll be wrong, but I think one map for Paris is very reasonable. But even then, I think this is like a lock for Toronto. I do not see them losing. Yeah, we'll I mean, here's the thing is I agree, but I, I think like 60-40 is about perfect on it. I think you've got some emotional. This is the first match of the season, number one. Sure. Uh, in a brand new city, brand new kind of format in the sense that they're, you know, playing at a homestand, playing with uh, Toronto's virtually a brand new team. Totally. Right. Um, I think that there there are things that play into Paris's favor that where were I a betting man, this is one of the matches that I would pick to be an upset, even though I think ultimately Toronto is really? going to come down to it. This is what this is like, John, pick one match. That you think could be, uh, I don't know, valiant over fuel, probably. Yeah, pick two matches. This is not the game. Pick, pick two matches. Uh, <laughs> and, and this would be one of them. Uh, but what, what are the odds on Vancouver Glads? Yeah, I, I would. I think that that's much more likely to be an upset than Toronto Paris. Yeah, I mean, Joe, I get it. You're smarter than me, but uh, that's not the bet I'm taking. I, I don't hey. know. You? And you know me, I'm lower on I'm lower on Vancouver than anybody else. Mm. So, mm. um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think, um, but again, I'm I'm going on Toronto side. I'm picking Toronto. Don't sure get your panties in a bunch here. But this is, I think that there's ones here that we'll have to. I will know. I feel like this is a match that I will know very much, or I would know pretty quickly on how I end up feeling about Toronto seeing them play Paris. Totally. Like, I feel like it'll be a really good bellwether game for them. Um, good litmus test. So, all right. Um, I don't, know, I don't think I really have anything, any, I don't No, I don't really think I have anything else to add on this one. No, sweet. I don't think like, I also don't think that's, it's that interesting of a match to be honest. Like uh, no. it's, it's an awful one to, uh, <laughs> to start, start with, to start yeah, with, sadly, and, okay, and so. that's that's the thing with week one is it's and and we we've obviously talked about this pretty extensively, but it's it's tough to to kind of really talk about these games because of the vast information we don't know. We don't yes. we we hear about what's being played, but what's actually being shown on stage is another thing. Um, especially in terms of player performance, you know that that's that that kind of really will say a lot and week two should be a whole lot more interesting right now it's Paris has made some interesting moves I like FD God but I still am going to echo a lot of the same points I made in terms of power rankings you know this team doesn't make a whole lot of sense they're missing a lot of pieces that are strong even from what I'm hearing in terms of like what the meta could be I, I really don't know exactly what Paris does and where they can be strong. Um, mm. And that that's kind of where I'm looking at it. So, Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll also so. say, just like in terms of prediction, like even like in season one, where it was still much more predictable, like the start of stage is always marked like a, uh, a certain kind or an uncertainty, yeah. like a soft reset in skill. Yeah. And... Like I remember for me, for instance, Eden and uh, me being very close to like 
80% tendency correct. Uh, like saying with, or I was actually over 80% um, saying who, who would win, just like in terms of tendency. And most of the ones we got wrong were to the beginning of the stage. And then Overwatch turned pretty predictable in terms of um, um, like uh, match outcomes. How was did I not get that two? Was it stage two last season that was just like all over the place? Like early stage mm -hmm. two? It was just mm -hmm. like, how can you even guess yeah. this? Like this is guesswork at this point. You might as well yep. toss a coin and make your predictions. Like I think that that's a, a good way to approach this for a, a couple of these games. But if, you know, we, we rely on what we've built in the off season and how we're thinking about these teams, at least in week one, there's a lot of like very cut and dry games for me. Fair. Yeah. A lot of three O's and some handshakes. Well, let's, um, let's talk about the, the second match here. Yes. And that is going to be the noon Pacific time match between the, uh, London Spitfire and NYXL. This is 78 22 in favor of NYXL here. Um, Yiska, I mean, any any big thoughts on this one? Um, of course, like it, for me, I, I'll definitely watch that match. I, I'll watch all the matches, but this is one <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, a little bit more because I'm interested in seeing how London looks, mm. um, how NYXL looks as well. Yep. And um, I don't think we will we'll see an upset. But just like as a case study, how, how well are those teams playing with each other is certainly going to inform my opinion on the next couple of matches. And like, just like as a, as an experiment, I, I always like upon hearing the roster, I always digged, uh, or dug this, uh, London roster and what it stood for, how it reminded me of LW blue and red. And I kind of want to see where coaches can take um, those rosters in terms of their potential. This is the season for the coaches to uh, make the impact. Mm. And while we won't see the full breadth of their impact in, in stage one, like I already also said in, um, in my preview, like it's just like London will get stronger over the season, pretty sure. Yep. And um, yeah, it's still in Excel. I've heard a couple of players be really high on London too and say that it's a team that is underrated and dangerous with their new mm -hmm. looks. So I think mm -hmm. we'll, we'll have to see, but I don't think that they, they show that in week one against NYXL. Yeah, I think as long as everything goes according to plan, um, you could see them punch up a tier. Uh, come like a mid-season and even more so later in the season, but this early on for them to punch up against a title contender <laughs> that's almost impossible um now will hero pools change that come march we'll have to see but yeah this one's i i will echo a lot of the same points that yiska did uh i'm interested to see what london looks like i'm interested to see what kind of style nyxl is going for obviously um you know plat chat's going around saying that you know they could 
be a little bit more aggressive, the new coaching staff, the new players point them in that direction. And I I think there is reason to believe that that is the case. And there's, there's a logical, like, like line. There's a theme there that I, that I definitely agree with, but what does that team look like with those new players, with that style and changing their style from last season, last two seasons, they've always been that very passive more defensive team. What do they look like when they're asked to be more proactive? Do these players gel with the players that have been more defensive in the past? Um, that's kind of where I'm I'm looking at with this team. I do want to see what players are even being played with London. How are they playing their their roster? Um, do they have specific picks on specific maps? You know, mm-hmm. we're hearing that certainly uh, a couple of these players are are a little bit more specialized than um, what what would we we would consider. So yeah, it, it's just more of an interesting game just to see what two teams that should be shaking up um, a lot of the narratives. You know, obviously London losing a lot of their firepower and rebuilding. Um, that's a, that's a big that's a big kind of narrative point. And NYXL much in the same way, but a, a little bit less so in in degrees. You know, could they possibly bring a new style? Are they going to play the same old you know passive kind of slow style? It's an interesting one. We'll have to see. Yeah, I, yeah. In, I, in general, it's just, um, it's also Havane against this old team. That's true. That is true. That's also an interesting aspect of this, and I don't expect there to be really any rivalry because I don't think it was like a fallout and the reason why he quit. Sure. So there's no bad blood or anything, but um, yeah, there are cool questions just to be asked. Like, what does London A look like? What does uh, who plays for NYXL in terms of the DPS? Sure, is there something about who are you? What about Agape and Pavani? Um, can IMT bring a new style to uh, NYXL? Mm-hmm. How is hotbar meshing? Like all these things, and. Um, Hopefully we'll have some answers because of that match, at least initially, so we can like extrapolate a little bit and make like start cool narratives that way. Yep. Because once again, NYXL, their narrative is they are one of the or possible. Uh, okay, let's just say it: they are the most consistent team in Overwatch League history. So consistently good yes, team, sure. great team in Overwatch League history. Mm-hmm. Are they going to repeat that this season? That's the question, and. Um, if they can, like amazing. Also, then the question, of course, we won't have uh, anything but mid-season tournaments. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how how serious how teams will that? take those. Yeah, but yeah, I think um, it will be hard to see if if there's an NYSL that chokes in playoffs because we don't have playoffs in right. like stage playoffs. But like, of course, like the the big question is. Can NYXL bring it in playoffs? That, once again, we will have to wait until the end of summer. And, um, yeah, I think NYXL, my god, like, hmm, do I want to say this? I mean, they are just my favorite team as a package. Sure. They have, like, uh, cool players, amazing branding, like a very cool lasting storyline with uh, overarching narratives where the Apex players 
that were around till since Apex are still some of the best players in the world, which is not, not an exception. They have the Jonex storyline. Um, they have the the redemption arc of who are you in there. Like everything is so cool and so maturely handled, where it's like you don't have any drama seeping out of that at, at all. And then you have like the cool packaging of like those videos that really give me the OGN vibes. NYXL is the last remaining Apex team in Overwatch League for me. Yep. And as such, like I just have a soft spot for them. Yeah, they sure. do everything right. I think they're they're strong in almost every aspect, um, from marketing to content Dude, creation to their roster, roster like, announcement this week. It it really shows you compare that to Jeez. a lot of these other teams that aren't doing anything. We're four days out. Where you know you're you're posting images, they're creating whole like interesting hype clips. You know, Atlantis wasn't even that bad. I don't know why it's getting all that hate. Like it's it's supposed to be on the nose. It's supposed to be kind of tongue in cheek. It, that's that's the goal. Um, it's not, you know, it's not even in the same realm as NYXLs. They're two different things. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think you can really start to see who's investing in the long term and who's just kind of like floating by. Sad, sad as it, sad as it is to say. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I'm excited to see. I, I, I bought a shock Jersey, one of the new ones, but I, um, NYXL has kind of been my team from the beginning. Back when everybody mm. hated the branding, said it was awful branding. And it is, yeah. It's grown on me, to be fair. Oh, it's the we'll best say. branding. Still is the best branding. There's subliners for CDL we can talk about, but <laughs> NYXL branding and is so good. Is so good. They went through for that announcement. I'm pretty sure they went through and redid the hero intros in, in Forge. Uh, it's just insane. Oh, it looks so good. It looks so mm. good. I couldn't believe it. Anyways, this isn't related, so we're going to yep. go on. And we're going to talk about match number three. Match number three, we're going over to Dallas. On Saturday, the LA Gladiators versus the Vancouver Titans. 63-37 in favor of Vancouver. Hmm. Um, this is, I mean, this is probably the most, this is probably the highest tier, the, yeah, the highest, highest caliber. Yeah. The highest caliber teams going head to head for the entire week. Yep. Easily match of the week. Like. Yeah. So, and this is our, we're going to start doing like a match of the week thing. <laughs> we're not this time. Cause there's, we have way more games to talk about. I think mm -hmm. for Matt, for week one, the, the implications are much larger and in the, in the future they won't be. So Vancouver Titans versus LA Gladiators, D-Pay on the show. Um, I would say next to NYXL, the LA Gladiators have been one of the most, I think, consistently well-performing teams as well. Like top five-ish pretty consistently from the beginning, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty, I, I, you're right in the sense that they, um, you know, they're, they're not NYXL caliber. But it's really mm. kind of incredible what this franchise has done over the past two years to put up strong numbers. They've got a great community, um, lots of fans. They've, um, you know, I, th I think largely they're the top of like the 
you know, if you put like NYXL and, and shock and like the S tier of like franchises and branding and full packages and whatever, mm. they're, you know, they're high A tier, I think. Um, and so, you know, from that perspective, it's going to be really interesting to, to see the Vancouver Titans on the other hand, giving us a, a quite a bit different look fissure walking into the, to the, the event last week in a bumper jacket, just no chill at all. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting Interesting first match. Joe, what do you think for this match? So, I think that if there was... A f- if There obviously are a few games that, that are, are possible upsets, right? Like, that if I was a betting man, um, I would put money on. And I think this is one of them. Um, and, and how I come to that conclusion is when we look at Vancouver and we look at how we've tried to pitch them on the show and in articles and you know how a lot of people have talked about this team they're not the most cohesive um this is not runaway anymore Uh, this is a new team under new management and they're in my projection are going to struggle immediately and will pick up the pace whereas gladiators has a stacked coaching staff. Like you look at these names and it's just the who's who of like Western coaches that are just like mega brain. I think they're way more prepared for what's coming than Vancouver is in terms of like just financial structure, players, depth, understanding of what's going on in the meta as chaotic as it is. I think that they're going to come in a whole lot more prepared. I think Vancouver is going to try and play one or two things across a number of maps. I think Gladiators as a franchise has always been the team to come out with set strategies. I think I have I have Gladiators here. It, it, I think it'll be close, but I think I give I give the edge to Glads. I really do. I, as much as critical as I have been before, I I see Vancouver getting uh, almost cheesed. I think they get cheesed out. I think that's exactly how they're going to picture it in map two when they're down one, one. Um, yeah, I, I think this is, a, this is a good match for glads, especially to start off the season. This, this will be a good list miss test either way. If this is just completely one-sided, then great. I can be wrong, but I think, I think glads can come out here and, and perform. Yes. Do you agree? No, I think, um, I think glads. Okay. Uh, I think also, that would be one team that I would definitely uprank. Um, sure. I think this will be a great match. Definitely the best of the weekend. Um, and I still think it's too early for Vancouver to face the problems. Yes. Even though I'll, I can already tell you, like, <laughs> There's some. Um, it it's not about know. the. It's it's not about the players, but there's already some untenable shit happening around them. And but that affects the players, though, does it not? Sure, but like you're already starting of, on a bad foot, and it's in a chaotic meta. This is a team that hasn't been super good in chaotic metas, or or metas that haven't been very rigid. I don't know. I do not see them doing sure, that. Sure, but I don't think like we we would see it in 
on day one. I don't think that's happening. I think that's the perfect time for it to happen. You happen. It happens early. It happened to shock. Shock in playoffs. How do you beat them? You beat them early. You come out fast. You come out strong. Granted, they should have won that match to be fair against Atlanta, but <laughs> yeah. you, you hit them. You hit them early. I think yeah. Gladiators is going to hit Vancouver early. They're not going to know what's going on in terms of the meta, or or they're just going to be trying to figure it out. They're getting their footings. I think Gladiators has the staff to already have their footing and be a lot more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't buy that. I think uh, Titans are the favorite here. I would say sixty-five Titans. I'd have it completely the opposite. Sixty-five Glads. Jeez, jeez. I mean, I mean, I think Yiska kind of highlighted my my major points is I, th I think that this team is going to implode but i don't think they implode on week one In i'm also not sure if they're actually going to implode but if they're imploding now i think i, can I see think why. they're gonna end. Okay. i think they're gonna implode <laughs> I, I think they'll implode later i don't what i'm not saying is that they're going to implode now i also want to know the how bickering starts you had glad what did you have gladiators you had gladiators i had gladiators very low i had gladiators at like 12 yeah and all yeah, of a sudden, weird, you think right? you're going to have this, this team on opening weekend beat a number six team? Uh, somebody yeah. you put six? Yeah. Well, then what the f are you. Well, that's power, power rankings. rankings. Power rankings but, but I mean, are, are. I think I've justified it pretty well. Uh, I don't, I don't think Gladiators are going to finish the season beating the Vancouver Titans in the playoffs. No. But right now, I think there so is think a. You think Vancouver's going to implode over the course of the season? The LA sure. Gladiators are going to have to do some sort of imploding to go from no. beating the Titans to losing to the Titans, don't you think? Well, I think you can beat the Titans on day one in a chaotic meta and just underperform mm -hmm. throughout the regular season as everybody upgrades in terms of just like getting better. I don't genuinely think that this team is bad. I think 12 is, is a pretty reasonable placing um, still plans, still a good team, still solid, but yeah, I think there's, there's enough of a, uh, a, a, I have enough skeptical eyes on Vancouver to say, Hey, gladiators can upset here. Is it an upset? Yes. Am I saying that uh gladiator should be a top 10 team, a top five team? No, I think that there's enough, uh, volatility here that there's an upset. I can't get on board with anything you're saying, but okay. you have, deposited enough I'm right you're wrong things in the past where you've been right on things and I'm like I can't get on board with that where I'm just gonna go alright this is just this is just Joe using his oracle eyes and I look I mean, forward it's, it's, to, it's, I look forward to talking about how we were wrong next week because that's how it I always mean, yeah, I mean I, yeah I don't I don't think I'm that like this is like a 3-2 like this isn't going to be like a one-sided affair by any means. Sure, mm -hmm. I'm not but, saying you're thinking it's one-sided, yeah. but just just to clarify, uh, I, it's just I, a lot I'm, of conf conflicts for me. But sure, I, I mean that's that's very fair. I think right. there's even a possibility for Vancouver to stomp. I, I <laughs> like a stomp three-one. You got to give them a map. I'd give Glad sure. a map. Sure. Yeah, I think I think they they're they deserve a map. They're they're good enough to take a map. I don't think they stomp though. I yeah, think it's I'm like not a saying close... that's the most likely scenario. I think yeah. it's going to be close match, but it's it's magnitudes more likely that Vancouver stomps than uh, Gladiator stomping. And this is both. I believe sure. this is 
their only both their only match. No, uh the Titans have to prepare for Valiant. Yeah. On Sunday. It's a good point. They do also have to prepare for Valiant. Whereas gladiators yeah. do not have to prepare for anyone else. That's true. Great point. I like that point. I'm gonna steal that point. I hate when I'm making points. Joe's hmm. I'm making Joe's best points. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, fair enough. I mean, we're going to see, right? It's it's nice that we finally disagree on a match. Yeah. I think this is probably the only one we'll probably disagree on, unfortunately. Maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll, let's talk about this next one. Uh, LA Valiant versus the Dallas Fuel. 63% in favor of the Dallas Fuel. Keep in mind, this is taking place in, in Dallas. Dallas. Yes. So... Uh, <laughs> oh, it's rough being a Dallas fan, dude. Holy, <laughs> oh my god! So the yeah. odds are in your favor, Yiska. I have a feeling you say that you don't actually think so. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a three-one valiant right there, like seventy percent valiant. Seventy percent. Wow. Yeah. Joe, same. Yeah, I I can't lie. Um. I, I th- even going into this, I figured it was probably going to be close. I think all that is kind of out the window now. Um, yeah, I, I think this is very clearly a, a valiant win. Um, I, I assume it's going to be very decisive. I think it's going to be very, sh- you know, they're going to come out. And I think they're, you're, that's one of those games where I am interested either way. We have Crimzo. Okay, cool. We have Decay. Sweet. We have KSP. We have all these interesting players. I'm going to be watching with a pretty close eye regardless, but I, I like what I'm hearing from Valiant. So, and again, this kind of comes down to, let's go back to power rankings for a second, because I think sure. all three of us had Valiant 18th, 19th. Yep. Dallas. Very low. Sitting, I, had Dallas I think it's a play, play-in-ish team yeah. there as a team that could sneak into play-ins. What what are you hearing? I mean, I, I know you can't go into too much specifics here, but what have you heard that has allowed you to change your minds besides Scrimbucks? It's like, is that just it? Just Scrimbucks? And I think more than anything, I want to hear more why you think that. I, I understand LA Valiant are scrimming well. I get it. Sure. I, I, it's not a secret anymore. Valiant are scrimming mm-hmm. well. People are saying that they're doing well. Chat has said it a million times at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Valiant are scrimming well. But Dallas is still a team that's, you know, sitting up 14th through 12th in relative power rankings. Are they going up eight points? And is Dallas that much worse than we, or is Dallas that much worse than we place them? I think there's a, there's a big factor in terms of they've injected a whole lot of talent, right? That's going to need time to kind of marinate and, and cohese, right? So if there's going to be, again, an upset, I think day one is going to be the, the best time for that to happen. I think as the season goes on, I do like the pieces that Dallas has. Can they mold them? Again, I, I have my criteria. I, I look at individual skill and I think Valiant is a little bit lacking there. I think they have some gems, but overall, I think Dallas has a whole lot more just brute force firepower. Can they wield it the best way possible? That's where I go. Hey, maybe maybe this this isn't it, and I have Dallas as my probably the team I'm going to get wrong or or put has put too high. I'm a whole lot or I'm too bullish on Dallas. I I, I probably will admit, 
Um, and the team I'm too bearish on is probably the mayhem. Um, if you would like a more explained um, reasoning on that, check out the article. But yeah, um, I, I want to see what Dallas looks like week two, week three. If they can't get it together, then yeah, they, they seem like they're going to be bottoming out. Um, and it, it's it's hearing good things on one side and not so great things on the other. Pickups they've made are good, but like I said, I think they need time to uh, cohesive and, and really become a team. Yeah. I'm really close on Dallas. I know that Yiske, you said 70-30. I can't get on board with that at all. Maybe like 60-40, I think. And I think that's fair. I, I think that there's a few things going on there. Number one, Dallas playing in Dallas, I think is a big deal. Uh, number two, Valiant is, I believe, preparing for. Um, <laughs> well, to be fair, they're both preparing. For they're both so matchups. so they're both preparing for two top tier teams, right? So you have yep. Valiant preparing for uh, Vancouver, and you have Dallas preparing for Shock. I don't think that Dallas is preparing for Shock. No, <laughs> I wouldn't. I would go. I mean, what does preparing at our home stand? Mean? I, 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 I think so. Here, let me. I'm, I'm going to go like this. I'm just going to say it. I think Field's going to win this here. Um, oh goddamn! So, so uh, number one, I think it, the stakes are really high for Dallas, and they're going into this weekend and saying we are not walking away from this zero and two. So, okay. San Francisco Too shock. You, you know they're coming. You're not spending a lick. Of time preparing for the San Francisco shock. Well, we can assume that doesn't mean that they aren't right. Like if if you were the GM, that's how you would do it. I don't know that that's how they're doing it though. That's the, that's the big question. I but, have to assume that they have brains. Can, can I ask? Is like, what do you mean in terms of preparing? Do you just think teams will like Dallas will find out what specifically? Uh, Valiant was scrimming on specific maps against other teams and then will prepare against that because they have no footage to prepare for. It's true. It's true. Uh, I, think it's, for, I right? think it's more about strategizing around uh, players and what you do know. Like, you're right. There's a lot that you don't know. And I think on top of what you don't know, combined with the fact that you're really going to lose anyway, just is all the more reason to go, you know what? Like there's no reason to, to change the playbooks on here. We run this map this way and this is how we're going to do it. And that's it. Um, and so I think I, you spend a whole lot more time thinking about the Dallas Valiant game than you do the Dallas shot game. Yes, I agree. Like there's not a ton of tape to go off of, but the investment that you can put in probably should be weighted towards the Valiant game. I don't know if it's all, that, that's up to the coaches, but I think in general, that's probably how it's being weighted. But I get what you're I saying. The, Sorry, go ahead. I think the Valiant also playing against the Titans, right? Yes. I I definitely can see how packing is someone who goes, I want to win both of them. Yes, exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's just like, on paper, you probably should just focus on Dallas, but it depends on the coach. If you want to win everything, and that's that's your attitude going into it, and that's what Packard said on the show. Amount of time. He's like, exactly. you know, he's like, we're we're here to win. If I didn't think that we couldn't win, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be coaching exactly. this roster, and I went to pick these players. So that's that's where I go. It, is there a realm where Dallas could have a fraction of that and say, hey, why don't we put in a little bit of time into the shock? Why don't we think about this instead of just going into 
just no preparation. I think most of the preparation will probably be for Valiant, but to say none, I think is a little extreme. I mean, it's semantics at the end of the day, but okay, gosh, there goes my point. Oh, uh, no, it's I, I, but, but to the point largely stands is I think that Dallas have a lot higher stakes there, a lot more experienced players. And, um, I think a a home crowd behind them. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to say Dallas here, even though I want to say Valiant. I think you all say, like, make great points. And I think if it took place on a different weekend somewhere else, I would pick yes. Valiant in a heartbeat. Yeah. I think that makes so, sense. Um, that, yep. But, but it's, it's always interesting to me, like, how that works. So the only paper on homestand, uh, home advantage in sports I can remember basically put it down to... Uh, Fans having an impact on well, that's uh, the measurable referee, right? You can't measure how it impacts your like brain chemistry, right? I I come from baseball, Yiska. I know you don't get like baseball as a sport, but baseball is a very you see it, you know it, you feel it, and the people who see, know, and feel better than others are the people who get the job, not the quantifiable. And like I I know we we talk, we've joked about Moneyball in the past, and that's kind of like the the two philosophies of baseball. There's one very mathematical approach is baseball is all numbers and math. And there's another one that goes baseball is something that you can feel and that you can see. And if you have an eye for it, you can understand it in a way that you can't put down on a piece of paper and you hire the people who, even though they can't put it down on a piece of paper, they say that. And I think you're right. There's probably no demonstrable evidence, especially for overwatch league that home stands have, a meaningful or have have an impact to turn a odds against into an odds for right and mm. and, and applying mm-hmm. an actual variable value to that i i understand that but yeah i think w- one thing that will happen is that teams are going to have an inherent advantage because they have access to practice facilities the entire time yeah. while on the road Blizzard dictates how many blocks you get. You get two blocks tops, unless you somehow make that. Uh, and by the way, you cannot probably cannot choose the opponent unless. So basically, what's happening is you get booked at the same time another team gets booked, and then unless you break that etiquette of screaming that other team and you go to uh, maybe someone that isn't playing that week, which I think is totally fine to do. By the way. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is also maybe not the best practice that you could, could could be getting, and then you have limited practice, and then the team that has a home advantage therefore gets just more practice in, especially in meta switches that is uh, important. Totally. I don't think it matters for week one because everyone's just not on the road, right? Like, or it matters less than yes, it uh, matters less. I would agree with that, but I think. You bring up a good point, and I'm glad that we can kind of like verbally talk through these because I hadn't even thought of that. I think the coaching staff element here is a big one. You're an away team that has less practice. You need to get the most out of your scrim time that you're allotted. And I expect packing to come in with a very structured approach to this, know exactly their game plan and how those scrims are are positively impacted or are are looking a little bit you know eager right and how to fix that dallas has all the time in the world to fix that they have all the practice 
Um, the coaching staff should be able to change that, but I am a little bit skeptical on this coaching yeah. staff. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I like what I like what packing's doing. I like what packing's done in the past. Arrow has kept the boat afloat. We haven't really seen them explode. We haven't really seen a gigantic change in the fuel. Do these does does this new roster promote that change? I, I don't think so. It, just yet. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they could grow into that. But I think uh, everything on paper for me points towards to Valiant, like maximizing those scrim times, getting the most out of it, having that structured approach, not being shakable. Yeah, I like Valiant here. All right. Not as not as bullish, not as bullish as this guy, but yeah. Fair enough. Well, let's go to um, the February 9th, my birthday. Let's see if we can get some of these right here. So. February 9th, game one in New York, the London Spitfire versus the Paris Eternal, 61-39 in favor of Paris on this one. Uh, Yiska, thoughts? I feel that's wrong in the other direction. I think I feel better about 60-40 London. Um, like, Paris is still pre-Hanbin, Pre uh, mm-hmm. sparkle, and um, especially early in the season, I'm he- hearing encouraging things about Spitfire anyway. Again, like juice hole for Paris, but um, I feel like that's that's still an interesting match in terms of just like how are these teams that we projected to be like maybe. You know, swimming on top of the bottom three cheeks teams. Mm. You know, like, <laughs> like you know, Overwatch League is basically like Overwatch League has one okay. butt and it has it has three cheeks, okay. and um, and I, I think <laughs> they are above those. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, oh, I, yeah, man. I give it to London here. Yeah, this is also Unberesh and Bakite. Yes. Yes, very much. Wow, so. that was actually really good. Very nice. Yeah, Hostman. <laughs> I go. think much in that same way, this one is just a toss-up. Um, I think I think we'll have a lot better read on this after day one, but just as a, a, a long shot, I think there's probably more of a chance that London can squeak something out here. But I think it's going to be messy. I think you want one map, they're going to look great. And then the next, they're just going to bottom out and then they could come back like this. As much as we as much as I think that London will grow into being more consistent, it sounds like they're still kind of struggling to find that that through line. Um, And Paris is still very, very unknown. So, again, I think Mm -hmm. after day one, we'll have a better read on exactly what this might look like. But Going into week one, I, I do have to give a, a minor edge to London. Yeah. And also say 60 40 or no, this is like 55, like barely, barely mm, marginal. Okay. Like this is so it, this is tough to go uh, one way or the other. Like this is this is pooping back and forth forever to, to use Monty's idiom. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts on this one here, especially we, it's, I think we've already discussed yeah. both teams a little bit at length um, and, and kind of the times going in. So 
Uh, we're going to cut it there for that team, and we're going to talk about this next one. NYXL versus uh, Boston Uprising. Good. Next. Uh, on- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, I don't... I don't see. I like mineral. Three cheeks. I like mineral. Right. I do like mineral. Sixteen. Eighty-four. Sixteen. I like mineral. I I think that speaks a lot. I like mineral. The odds are there. You you understand why they're there. Um, again, I don't think this Boston Uprising roster is good. Um, they're twentieth on everybody's power rankings for a reason. Um, and there's really not much talk about. This should be a three-zero and a handshake, and we move on. Yeah, that's uh, Boston is one of those cheeks, and uh, I think this will be rough. Um, like, I think maybe NYXL will mess around a bit. I think now that I think of it, I'm not sure how many stomps will actually happening and how much like if the, if it's a secure match, maybe you're trying out more DPS rotations for the NYXL, for instance, and mess around a bit, little bit, uh, try to build the confidence of some of your designated more benchy players um maybe you lose the map in the process i don't see it though i was gonna say i I could see this being a little bit deceptively close in the sense that nyxl may try a lot of weird stuff like they, they may just go you know what let's just you know let's see how these players look let's you know put them in in different roles let's put that or not roles but like put them on different heroes than we normally would let's you know maybe let who are you get in there yeah get some game time yeah totally that 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 definitely could happen even let's see if jonat can play without using his e yeah right like let's just i mean let's give him a controller let's see what happens it, it's got to be that kind of uh, of a change up for me to really budge on this. Like if they do, if it's New York B versus Boston Uprising, yeah, maybe this game's a little closer, but I still think New York wins. New York yeah. B still beats Boston Uprising, but it goes I, I, from a three yeah. to a three one, right? Maybe or they like, take a map, right? There's yeah, a chance. Take a point, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, Boston fans, not going your way on this one. Yeah. Best of luck to you, though, in the season. Just not the way you want to start, I don't think. Nope. All right. Match number six. L.A. Valiant versus Vancouver Titans, Joe. Isn't it seven? Seven, yes. I don't know. Thank you. On that count. Match number seven. (laughs) Joe. Joe. Uh, Yeah, this is like... 65 35 Vancouver wow okay I think this is still Vancouver um yes I I am glowing about Valiant um and I have my opinions slightly changed on them um yes I have Vancouver losing to the gladiators but I think that's a whole different kind of caliber opponent um yeah, I, I think Vancouver still kind of brute forces this as much as I think that Valiant can do a whole lot with uh, can can kind of squeeze blood from a stone with this roster. I don't know that they can compete in terms of just like on paper mechanics, on paper skill, even if Vancouver's just like not having a good day. 
um it's a tough ask i think there's there's still an open possibility for maps to be taken from valiant but i i think i'm pretty safe to say that vancouver takes us what's really interesting to me is that uh the odds here for nyxl versus boston were 84 16 yeah odds here are 86 14 which i think yeah, that, is doesn't a, sense that doesn't make sense yeah. right um yeah. Yeah. Uh, even if you if they factored in preseason rankings, I don't think anyone didn't or not a meaningful amount of people had Boston above Valiant. Valiant mm. was better last season. Um, like Vancouver was better than New York. Maybe they favored in matchups, but even then, Valiant beat uh, Titans to end their lose streak. There's nothing to go on to say that uh, Valiant is less likely to win than Boston in, in, the, in their matches. So mm. for me, 30, 70 or 25, uh, 75. Um, yeah, I think Valiant, uh, I just think Titans is, is going to start pretty good. And um, same, but yeah, that those percentages just make no sense to me. 14% yep. is really, really low. That's really low. Yep. Mm. I agree. <laughs> All right, last match of the last match of the week is going to be the San Francisco Shock versus the Dallas Fuel. I'll, yep. I'll move them all for you. Don't worry. Another three zero and a handshake. Yeah. I, I, I now, don't like it. They have everything going for them, but I really struggle to see how they win. So, and to to use the percentages again, eighty one Shock, nineteen Fuel. So. They're saying the shock, the the fuel have a greater chance of beating the shock than the valiant have to beat London, or the uprising have to beat NYXL. Nineteen. Yeah, that's yeah, that's ninety ten. Yeah. I think I think if there was, I would love to see a, like gladiators. I think if you put gladiators against the shock here, I think I say a lot of the same talking points where it's like, we've seen shock struggle immediately in the past day one. This is the best chance for you to beat them. I think you could squeak it out. Dallas is not that team though. Sure. I think I if it. you beat shock, if you beat one of these top five teams, it's it, you, you get to it early where things are very creative, very, you know, chaotic. You can sneak out wins. Whereas in the mid season over the, the the entire marathon it's tough to to be able to pick those off so that's kind of again where i'm at with with gladiators titans unfortunately dallas is not that kind of caliber team i like if that actually if actually anything happens where dallas gets close i want to get these fans like in a room where they just hit the right frequency to time travel to me sitting in my a levels exams and cheer me on so i can like ace this and uh, i'm not a medical like now a brain surgeon or some, some shit. Nah, this like, would this be not how it works. This would I be mean, fantastic. Testing is not an adrenaline-based like performance. <laughs> it, it would Jesus. have to be that way because they would also have to find the node that increases IQ, like just like oh not IQ, but God. performance. Yeah. Sure. Then um, to make this work, yeah, it would be pretty dope. I will say, like from a fan perspective. I think this would be fantastic to see this level of an upset at home. Like that'd be crazy. Like you're 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 blowing the roof off that joint. What? But unfortunately, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> you know what? what adrenaline also makes more likely heart attacks. Amazing. 
so uh what if we all severely underrated the shocks non-movement offseason only adding hands and i mean yeah what if they what if like six it's hard to upgrade that roster though I mean, I don't disagree with you, but just like, let's play the hypothetical for a second and just say sure. like all of a sudden every, every team in the top five that improved, uh-huh. you know, you think, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta rain, you think Philadelphia fusion, fusion yeah. you, um, I don't know. If you can I think NYXL kind of stayed around the same. Yeah. They, they, they made, picked up some interesting pieces. Yeah. They've, they've made some stylistic moves. Like, hypothetically what but. if we just like see shock this tank here then it flip the table we dude I, I we have to reset if if shock lose even three two i think then it's uh thank god for my power rankings we have to delete uh, episodes saved. i think 60 to 72 73 yeah, just gone that's, that's tough they're just gone I I really struggle to even like th- let, let's think of hypotheticals that could happen you know like if the crowd really does impact them and they just feel completely like just invigorated to beat this team and shock just completely crumble under the pressure and they have all the scrim time and shocks PCs don't even work <sighs> even then shock on a horrible day their their C level game is enough to beat Dallas at their best like that's how good the shock is, at least on paper. We'll see come match day. But Super yeah. is just sitting there with like a little notepad and he's just like writing W, Q, E on a paper, hands it to the referee, and he types it into the into the <laughs> game, and it's still 64 Victory. Yeah. Like that one gets a real clap. That one's Thank good. You. That's a good yiskism to go out on, I think, because uh, it is time to get out of here. Week one, four days away. Can't believe it. It's been fun. It's been a fun off season. This off season was uh, yeah. looking. Forward. I think uh, I think it was a little slow at first, but especially I think you know January was really fun to make some content and. Watch all the movements and everything like that and hear hear about the scrims and everything else. So uh, mm. we will definitely be watching come Saturday as you should as well. Uh, definitely do let us know uh, what you guys think about and want more from the preview. Again, week one previews are really weird because we don't have like imagine what next week's previews are going to look like once we get to see Dallas or the LA yep. Valiant, right? Uh Imagine how much different and how much more, I think, uh, interesting those conversations kind of become. So keep that in mind. But if you're like, oh, man, I really would like this piece of information, this piece of information or whatever. We've been working really hard. Again, thanks to Eric bringing that uh, spreadsheet. I think the visuals were really helpful. I really like talking about the odds, too. Like, Mm -hmm. not like talking about the odds, but just like having that there as like an anchor. Like, let's anchor this conversation to a point where people can actually make money off of. And then let's actually talk about these these matches from our perspective. I think that's kind of fun, as long as we don't focus on that too much. Um, but uh, do make sure to let us know. I think we're going to we're gonna have a 
conversation this week and see if it makes sense to have two episodes of Tactical Crouch uh, each week. So, um, and just a little bit shorter, doing like a preview and a post view uh, rather than trying to cram it all into one. Especially like you saw today, we're at a minute or an hour 55. So, uh, we will, I guess, see in the end. All things considered, the format going into the 2020 season is very umbereshenbakite. And uh, we don't really, uh, we haven't really landed on something that we think is the best yet. So let us know what you think. And with that, I think we'll get out of here. No new patrons or five-star iTunes reviews, but a big thank you again to Battlecrab, Made, Pin, Lulshin, Charlie Ellen Audio Compass for supporting the show as our patron producers. If you like the show, go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. We've got a lot of great uh, different perks and things there that you can sign up for. Leave a five-star iTunes review, and uh, we will say your name on the next show, and thank you. And Joe usually gets real cute about it, so it's definitely worth definitely worth doing. And then uh, also you just sub right here to the channel. You can sub right here to twitch.tv slash kick tripod, get some cool Twitch emotes and also get access to uh, the first two tiers of Patreon perks, including access to guaranteed playtime for our game night, which we're probably going to have coming up. I don't know if it'll be definitely won't be next weekend, but maybe next Friday. I think we'll look at it and see. So um, we'll just have to see how that all works. Other than that, uh, Yiska, I know you've got a pretty big week planned for you, sir. Yes. What's going on? So I have planned tomorrow is probably going to be a bump- bumper piece. Um, I thought an interesting angle. We'll see how people like it. Um, then I'm getting into a Scrimbrox stock exchange, of course. I promise that one. Uh, Juice is flowing the pulp is thick. I can tell you that. It's definitely more substantial than it was last year. Um, Otherwise, I'm trying something for the match days where I'll, maybe not exactly in the style of the Scrum Rock Stock Exchange, but like in a fun way, we'll recap recap the, uh, the matches that happened. Because I know a people don't watch all the matches because it's so much, and then once we get would hypothetically go, get to China or Korea or whatever, if matches happen there, they're pretty hard to uh, view for U.S. viewers, right? Like they're at bad uh, times, so I think there's an audience there in trying to just read. And I think even if you, I'll try to make it as entertaining to like even if you watch them, you can recap them. I'll I'll play around a little bit with the format. If there's no audience for that, tough luck, and uh, I'll move to something else, but we'll see. Cool. Joe, what about you, man? What do you got coming up? Uh, much in the same way that yes, guys, a bumper piece. I shocker have a leaf piece coming out. I'm um, kind of capping off his, uh, his narrative going into the season, kind of uh, crystallizing it and giving everybody kind of, you know, uh, uh, something to kind of hold on to and eat that'll up, be up on GG Intel um, as I do every season well at least the last two but I plan on making it a uh, a consistent thing in the off season as we inch closer towards uh, the 2020 season debut uh, we crack open the vault and we open up uh, some of the letters to the uh, the future fans um, and that'll be all plastered all over my Twitter um, so if you uh, 
are interested in looking at some history and uh, kind of looking at how we thought of teams back then or how we thought of players uh, previously in other seasons or even other eras, uh, check that out. Awesome. Uh, as for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod. Um, we're going to be doing a ton of stuff, and this is actually kind of a call to action. I doubt that there's very many people left here anyway, but if you are still listening to the show, uh, if you are an avid Overwatch League watcher and want to help us find clips for uh, Overwatch League so that we can use it for some B-roll for the show, I really want to, um, during the season, have um, some kind of cool highlights and things going on. Not that uh, Joe Yiska and I aren't the most attractive thing about Overwatch League, but just that sometimes it's fun to watch highlights and plays and things too, rather than uh, four talking heads. So uh, we're going to be doing that. So if you want to be a part of helping us put together those clips, I've got a Dropbox um, set up and we're just going to kind of organize and load clips into there and hopefully it'll help make the show a little bit more enjoyable and fun to watch. So uh, if you want to be a part of that, yeah, go ahead. What we can also do is like Discord currently has a channel called Fun or Interesting Clips. And if you don't want to like, you know, go through like signing up or whatever, I think it's also fine to just post clips in there, right? That you found interesting during the games and then we'll figure it out there. Yeah, we'll see with uh, YouTube Gaming. Yeah. Um, true, true. Right. So not wrong. Yeah. We'll, uh, see. we'll see. We'll see how all that works. But yes, I, I think that we'll probably learn pretty quickly after the first week or so that, you know, the best way to do it, if like it makes sense for people to, you know, clip it themselves and, and load it to the Dropbox or mm. if it's just like, hey, timestamp this map, this match, this map, this timestamp. Go yeah. kind of thing. And then we go in and, and do it later on. I don't know. But uh, if you want to be a part of that. You could definitely be a part of it. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and uh, I think viewers will appreciate it as well. So you can contribute in that way. Other than that, though, we're going to be back uh, next week. I believe Tuesday, but who knows, man? We might start that new... If we'd start this new two-episode uh, schedule, who knows if the day changes or whatnot. Uh, but True. we'll be here, and we'll figure it out, and we'll figure it out together. You guys are great. Have an awesome one. See you next week. Enjoy the Overwatch League this week. We'll see you uh, soon. All right, guys. Do 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 do